Merry Christmas and welcome to Simi Church. I'm Joe, this is my wife Lynette, and we're so glad you're with us this morning. At Simi Church, our mission is to love God and neighbor one household at a time. We are a group of ordinary people who believe in the extraordinary message of Jesus Christ. So no matter who you are or what your story, we're glad you're here. Today is our annual Christmas service. We'll have special readings, music, and videos to tell the remarkable story of Christmas. And then we will wrap up by having communion together, led by our friend and minister, Daniel Jolla from the Simi Church of Christ. We hope you enjoy. Yeah. 
You're needed in human resources, please. No. You got this, Petey. Come on now. Yes. I got it. <laughs> hey. Good job. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, you got some, huh? You got some stuff on your nose? Oh. <laughs> so, have you seen him? No, it's my first day. Yeah, mine too. This may be the best day of my life. <laughs> I know. He just oozes kindness, you know? If he walked in here right now, I would totally turn into a snow puddle. They say that his eyes just radiate with love and, and candy, but mostly love. Sure, 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 sure. They say that he makes you feel like you're the only person in the room. Have you ever seen how the children's faces just light up when they see him? The hope that he spreads? I can't hardly contain myself right now. <laughs> you imagine being friends with him? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sometimes there aren't enough words to express how amazing he is. We should celebrate him all year round. If it were up to me, we would. His love, his grace, coming to this earth to save us. Come on, guys. Let's go celebrate Jesus' birthday. Just FYI, I was, I was talking about Jesus the whole time. Oh, I was too. Mm -hmm. I 100% I was talking about Jesus. Same page, same yep. page. <laughs> Before we had anything to offer him, before we lifted our voices in praise, our hands to his work, before we opened the Bible or walked into a church building, in fact, even before we were ever created, God was pursuing us with his love. We don't deserve the love of God. We are gossips and warriors. We are lazy and irritable. We are controlled by our lust and our appetites. We searched at everything but God and turned our backs on him at every turn. And he still comes after us, chasing us, pursuing us with his unending love. His love was announced by a baby in a manger. His love was proven by his body on a cross. At this time, in this place, let us dwell on that love. Let us put aside thoughts of trees, presents, malls, and meals and focus on God's pursuing love. God is pursuing you right now. He knows you. He knows your thoughts and your actions. But he's close to you. He's dwelling with you and delighting in you. And he loves you. Today, God is reminding you of that love. Right now, he's reaching out to you and wanting you to drink deep of him and his love for you. No matter where you come from, no matter what is going on in your life or who has let you down 
or dis or abandon you. God has brought you here to say, I love you. Let's go to the Father in prayer. Heavenly Father, 2020 has been a tremendous challenge to us. I mean, from from uh, from the wildfires, from all the like between hurricanes, between the coronavirus, between an impeachment, between the civil unrest that that has come forth throughout the throughout the summer and into the fall. It seems sometimes that we're trying to do this alone, but you constantly remind us that you are here with us. You're reaching out to us. You're reaching your hands out to take ours and to take ours as well, Father. Allow us in this time to keep that focused and also to just to keep in mind that you love us. You constantly love us. You are constantly pursuing us. You are always chasing us because you want a relationship with us. And with that, we know that comes peace. There comes a peace that transcends anything that we could try to fill our hearts with in this world, Father. Uh, during this time, allow us to, while we're like, while Christmas lights and trees and trimming and presents and just spending time with family is great, allow us not to uh, allow us not to abandon the idea of your son giving it's like being born here, a great high priest to help mediate our relationship with you, Father. That 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 is truly a miracle and something to be thankful for. Not during this time, but each and every day of our lives, Father. We love you. Thank you so much for everything that you provide for us. And in your son's name, we give praise and thanks. Amen. Amen. This is the story of a ragtag bunch of church members who set out to perform a Christmas play. And the director, who tried his hardest to just keep it all together. The glory of Christmas. My name's Joseph, and in the Christmas nativity play... The glory of Christmas, I play Joseph. That's right. I was born to play this role. Joseph has no clue what to do when it comes to babies. So in order for him to play the role of Joseph, we got him an infant simulator doll from the local home act teacher. So, you know, he could practice a bit. Insane shrieks for baby. It's a burp. Needs to burp? Oh, so put your fingers under and try to find the. Where's the spine on this thing? I don't know. Check the front. Joseph is terrified. I don't blame him. Babies don't even have kneecaps. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Burping like a boss? Uh, yeah, way to go, fake dad. I heard things may not be going so well with the infant simulator doll. Hey, Joseph, your mom's here to pick you up. Yeah, coming. As you can see, my mom's house is full of antiques. So I did what any good home economics teacher would do. I sent Joseph home with a, a baby egg. I think about Joseph, like Bible Joseph, a lot. What it would have been like for him to have an angel come and tell him that his wife is pregnant with God's child. Ha! Like he would have had to really dig deep and find his, his compassion and his understanding. Because he really, really loved her. My dear Mary, it is going to be a long journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem for the census. 
Especially with your belly being so humongous. With, 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 with child, Joseph, the line is being with child. <sighs> right. Sorry, ma'am. Is the age difference what's bothering you? I want you to know it doesn't bother me. It's... Okay, please, people, let's just take it from the top. I understand that Joseph is radically underqualified for all he's about to encounter. But isn't that the type of people God uses? The most unlikely folks to do the biggest things? Yeah. <laughs> Seems like those are the ones he always picks. Because he's a God that'll never give up on us. Ah. Ha-ha! Yes! Ha-ha! We need to get I have swaddled! Ha! Ha-ha! Ever since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, all creation has awaited its Savior. The promised seed that would one day restore paradise. Season after season, it has waited. Century after century. Millennium after millennium. Dormant but expectant. The hope of a savior is a universal longing. In pagan myths, an echo of that hope, however distant or muffled, can be heard. In ancient legends, a glimpse of that dream, however vague or distorted, can be seen. Within Israel, the hope was more distinct and the dream more vivid. It was the hope of every expectant mother and the dream of every pacing father. The dream of the Savior and the hope that he would come soon. Over the centuries, the identity of the Savior was progressively revealed. A paragraph of the promise was shown to Abraham and revealed that the Savior would come from his line and be, and be a blessing to all the world. A thousand years later, another portion of the promise was given to King David. The Savior would be a descendant of his, an heir to his throne. A few centuries later, it was revealed to the prophet Isaiah that the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, and that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Throughout the centuries, the Savior's features grew more and more distinct. As prophet by prophet, he was revealed, a word at a time, a sentence at a time, an image at a time. Then finally, almost 2,000 years after Abraham's initial vision, a group of wise men called Magi were looking for a sign that the Savior had been born when they noticed something unusual in the night sky. Matthew relates, after Jesus was born, in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born 
King of the Jews. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And now let us pray. Father God in heaven, it is amazing to know that I am part of the spiritual lineage of Abraham, David, and Jesus that you have slowly and carefully revealed to the world over centuries. Your love is beyond all time. Thank you for allowing us this revelation and inclusion of your beautiful plan of salvation from the sins of mankind. We praise your Son, and in his name we place all faith. Amen. This is the story of a ragtag bunch of church members who set out to perform a Christmas play, and the director, who tried his hardest to just keep it all together. The Glory of Christmas There's a little bit of controversy over my choice to cast Tony as the wise man in our church nativity play, because, well, Tony can sometimes be... Yep, that's... That's some good birch. Birch? Why would they use birch? It's not even indigenous to Israel. Did Tony's just a little bit of a know-it-all. Hmm. Did occasion not even cross your mind? That's probably Birch. Potato salad is of German origin, brought over here by European settlers. You know, fascinating point. The carb load on that is 37 grams. Great for uh, marathon runners. There's no doubt that Tony knows a lot of useless facts. But when he doesn't know something? Now, of all the wise man's gifts, myrrh was the most profound. He's used to prepare a body for burial. What does real myrrh smell like? Uh, I imagine it has like a lush floral scent. Nah, it's woodsy. Warm, aromatic, musky. Oh, uh, my mom leads the essential oils small group. Hmm. But there's a certain something about Tony, something that he doesn't even see about himself. Put your shoulder into it so it doesn't strip the head. Hey, well done. That's good. Good job. Tony has the kind of heart that understands where the real treasures are. What they are, who they are. And he understands the King of Kings came first as the lowly servant. This baby, this beautiful gift, this is the glory of God, the glory of Christmas, who would eventually sacrifice himself for us. For me, well, let's just say, with that kind of knowledge, you can never approach the manger quite the same way again.
That's why he's the wise man. Suppose you could give a gift to Christ. What would it be? How could you possibly select a gift for the one who not only has everything, but who made everything? The wise men did, and they can be an example to us. In addition to the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they give the Savior some gifts we can give him today. Their hope, their time, and their worship. Wandering wise men gave Jesus their hope. When everyone else saw a night sky, this small band of men saw the light. The sight of the star sparked a desire in their hearts that sent them packing, and they went seeking Jesus. When night comes to your world, what do you see? The darkness or the stars? Hopelessness or hopefulness? Sometimes, just as he did long ago, God uses the darkness to reveal his stars. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 1, 5. If your heart has been shadowed by the darkness of loneliness or grief or disappointment, look for the light that only he could give. I am the light of the world. The person who follows me will never live in darkness, but will have the light that gives life. John 8, 12. This Christmas, give God your hope. The wise men, why are you giving? Give God your time. The wise men did. Before they gave their presents, they gave their presents. It's likely that these men traveled for as long as two years before locating the Prince of Heaven. Before that one incredible moment when they knelt before Jesus, the wise men spent many moments, months, perhaps even years, searching in anticipation of that meeting. Just as the wise men devoted themselves to seeking the Savior, so can you. You will seek him and find him when you seek him with all your heart. Jeremiah 29:13. Time. How could something so abundant be so fleeting? There are only so many months in a year, only so many days in a month, only so many hours in a day. While others worry about how much time they have, these men use their time wisely. Jesus once asked, Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Luke 12:25. This Christmas, give God your time. It's probable that these were men of wealth. It's likely these men had influence. They must have had intellect. Men of wealth, influence, and intellect. What did they do when they saw Jesus? They fell down and worshipped him. And going into the house, they saw the child, the child of Mary and his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Matthew 2.11 Worship is a gift that extends to the giver as well. Through worship, we come to see God more clearly. 
God invites us through worship to see his face so we so he can change ours. He loves to change the faces of his children. In worship, he simply stand. He's we simply stand before God with a prepared and willing heart and let God do his work. And he does by his fingers, wrinkles of worry and rubbed away. Shadows of shame and doubt become portraits of grace and trust. He relaxes clenched jaws and smooths furrowed brows. He touches our cheeks and wipes away tears. Come to me, all you, are, all you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble, and you will find rest for yourselves. My yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. Matthew 11, 28, 30. Thanks for reading that off, boys. Um, now we're just going to go ahead and pray. So everyone bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, um, we come to you this morning to worship you, but also remember this important day, um, Jesus Christ's birthday. Um, I pray that this year we can really just focus on giving you our hope. I know 2020 hasn't been a lot of people's years, let's be honest, um, but maybe 2021 will be, or 2022. But even if it's not, God, I pray that we can continually put our hope in you, um, no matter what our circumstances may be. I also pray that we can remember to give you our time. Um, you know, not a lot has really changed during quarantine. People still have jobs and work, school, uh, lives outside of their homes, um, whatever it may be. Maybe you picked up a new hobby during this whole lockdown. Whatever that consumes your time, I pray that we don't forget to set time aside for God. Um, and finally, I pray that um, we can continue to uh, worship you. It's been a little harder with these restrictions for COVID, but We've been trying and having tailgates. Um, even at home, we've been having live streams. And uh, maybe, you know, if you're at home, you can get up and sing or dance um, along with everyone else if you're not at the tailgate. Um, but just remembering to worship you um, even during uh, whatever is happening in the world. Um, and I pray that we can really focus on all these three things, especially this year as we head off into 2021. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
continued both day and night. Noel, 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 born is the King of Israel. This story of a ragtag bunch of church members who set out to perform a Christmas play and the director who tried his hardest to just keep it all together. The Glory of Christmas. I am the longest running cast member of the Nativity Ensemble of our church. Well, I don't like to mention it, but I am a formally trained prodigy of the theater arts. Having Dan as part of our cast is fantastic. Lord, I am surely blessed beyond measure. Okay, uh, okay, good. Uh, let's, uh, let's just, let's do it again, but this time with more emotion, okay? Hey, I want you to Meryl Streep this up, okay? You got it. Dan thinks he's helping, but all he does is compare everything to Meryl Streep. Tony. Need you to channel your inner Meryl. My dear Mary, stop. It is just I need to Meryl this over for a minute. Oh, this is no way to treat your actors. Meryl would have seen this and walked immediately. Really, Dan? Because this potato salad looks so Meryl right now. Suddenly, the most splendiferous heavenly being appeared to my cohorts and me. Stick to the script, please. Okay, Joel, it's called the glory of Christmas. I think the shepherds deserve a little more poetic language, don't you think? It's the Bible, Dan. God may beg to differ with you. By day, I make a living as an accountant, a dedicated one. But a dedicated actor must lose themselves and fully become the character. Do you have any questions for me at all? Uh, what's that smell? Green pastures. Green pastures, Annette. 
I am so method. I haven't bathed in a month. You really need to take a bath. I can't. These shepherds were society's misfits, you know. They were, sure, transfixed by um, a, a choir of angels, but also amazed that God had chosen them. They were the scrawny kid in P.E. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the nerd who went alone to the prom. Yeah, they were, um, they were the glee club president, twice. They were the least of these. God asked me to be the keeper and the most important message that's ever been kept tell everyone that he sent the greatest gift ever, the Prince of Peace. The lowest in the land is given the highest honor. What's that smell? Evangelists were shepherds, a task for which they had no skill, no special gift, no theological teaching or individual training. What they had was a divine encounter. The shepherds lived in a gypsy encampment outside of Bethlehem. Because the profession made it difficult to observe the orthodox ritual of washing, they were considered unclean and shunned by most. Because they were untutored, they were considered ignorant. Because they were without roots in the community, they were considered suspect. This knot of shepherds spent their night watching the flocks huddled around a fire. The night is clear, the moon is full and bright. The sky is studded with stars, and the air is pugnant with the smell of sheep. Except for a few faraway bleats, the hillside is quiet, for now. The fire is almost out, when suddenly, the curtain of night is parted by an angel spilling the glory of heaven everywhere. The incandescent light wakens the men who fall on their faces trembling and cover themselves with their coats. Though the appearance of the angel is terrifying, the utterance of his words are not. Don't be afraid, he assured them. I bring you good news of great joy. From within their coats, their eyes steal a glance at the angel who declares, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Prophets had foretold of the Savior. Kings had looked forward to his rule, and the birth of each baby boy had kept the hope of his coming alive. From peasants to patriarchs, all Israel awaited him. Again the angel speaks, you will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. At last, could the time be now? Could the place be here? Could it be him? The curtain of heaven opens wider, revealing a company of angels, their voices joining together in a chorus of praise. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Imagine what has happened. On these earthly some men, the favor of heaven has come to rest. To them, the glory of the Lord has been revealed. A 
glory that had not been witnessed in Israel for hundreds of years. To them, the good news hidden since the foundation of the world had been proclaimed. Who would have ever considered the birth of an announcement of God's Son to be sent to them, unclean, ignorant, and suspect? The shepherds stumble over each other and run to Bethlehem, searching stable after stable. At last, they find the one where the child has been born. As they enter, the walls of the stable are awash with shadows, and the faces of the shepherds are awash with awe. There he is, just as the angel said, wrapped in strips of cloth and lying there amid the straw, with white cloths wound so tightly around him, he looks to them like a newborn lamb. So fitting that news of the birth of the Lamb of God would come to shepherds, and that the reception would be hosted in a stable. Blessed are the meek. That's why the announcement went first to the shepherds. They didn't ask God if he was sure he knew what he was doing. Had the angel gone to the theologians, they would have first consulted their commentaries. Had he gone to the elite, they would have looked around to see if anyone was watching. Had he gone to the successful, they would have first looked at their calendars. So he went to the shepherds, unclean, ignorant, suspect. Men who didn't have a reputation to protect, or an axe to grind, or a ladder to climb. Men who didn't know enough to tell God that messiahs aren't found in a feeding trough. So, while the theologians were sleeping, and the elite were dreaming, and the successful were snoring, the meek were kneeling. They were kneeling before the one, only the meek will see. They were kneeling before Jesus. Good morning, Simi Church. I'm Isabella, and today I'll be leading us in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your one and only Son to be our hope and light. His birth is a cause for celebration and has brought us nothing but great significance. And the journey of his life has taught us many lessons and gave us meaning. Because Jesus truly is our hope, and being in your presence encourages us even when we go through our hardest trials, no matter whether they are physical, mental, or emotional. You make it known, Lord, that it is all temporary and that it is only you who lasts forever. You are our greatest shepherd, Lord. You protect and you guide us from falling into even deeper sin. You lead us so that we can be saved, and you are the only one who can fill the void in our hearts. I also thank you for having us be able to celebrate this Christmas together. And I pray for those who can't be with their family due to COVID or are in quarantine. And for those who have lost loved ones, I pray that you bring them peace this Christmas, Lord, so that they may be comforted in their grief and surrounded by people they love so they can also rejoice in your name. This is the story of a ragtag bunch of church members who set out to perform a Christmas play and the director who tried his hardest to just keep it all together. The Glory of Christmas. Hi, my name's Joel. I'm the director of our church play, The Glory of Christmas. This is my 12th year. window. It's going great. Uh, the only thing that we lacked was uh, someone to play the role of Mary up until yesterday, but then I found her and she, she's perfect. I got the role of Mary because I'm 31 weeks pregnant. 
Yep, two kids in college and then, surprise! We're just so, we're so full of joy. I, I can't act, Joel. There's no way I can sell this. No, 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 not true. Your audition was fantastic. How can it be me? How can I be highly flavored by God? Did I just say flavored? Why can't I stop talking about food? Uh, She's perfect. Oh, hey, you're, you're Joseph. Mm-hmm. I'm Heather. I play Mary, your wife. Oh! Mm-hmm. I remember you. Oh? You played Bunko with my mom. You know, what is Bunko? Mm -mm. Nice to meet you. Mm -mm. You must mentally sink into her situation. Yes, yes. Go spend the night in a barn somewhere. The hay will trigger something deep within you. Sorry. Yeah, it'll trigger something. Trigger something that don't need a hand in histamine. Mm. This is good. I'm the least likely person to play Mary, let alone deliver the Son of God. I'm a middle-aged former soccer mom. And the truth is that this baby disrupted some pretty amazing plans we had for our lives. Things we've been looking forward to for years. Okay, Mary and Joseph, let's take it back to scene 11. Scene 11, please. Maybe that's how Mary felt. Maybe people stared, unsure of what to tell her. Maybe she doubted. Maybe she doubted, even though God told her not to fear. And then she trusted. She trusted, she trusted that what God was doing would bring the greatest kind of joy she would just, just let go, let go of her plans, her questions, and... There we go. Just let the good shepherd carry you. <laughs> let the good shepherd carry me. fairest child, conceived by the union of divine grace with our disgrace, sleep well in my embrace. Enjoy the coolness of this night, for the heat of anger simmers nearby. Enjoy the silence of the crib, for the noise of confusion rumbles in your future. Savor the sweet safety of my arms, for a day is soon coming when I cannot protect you. Rest well, tiny hands, for though you belong to a king, you will touch no satin, own no gold. You will grasp no pen, 
guide no brush, hold no scepter, nor wave from a palace balcony, because your hands are reserved for works far more precious, to touch a leper, to wipe a widow's tear, to claw the ground of Gethsemane, and receive a Roman spike. Sleep deeply, tiny eyes. Sleep while you can, for soon the blurriness will clear and you will see the mess we have made of your world. You will see our nakedness, for we cannot hide. You will see our selfishness, for we cannot give. You will see our pain, for we cannot heal. Sleep, please sleep while you can. Lie still, tiny mouth, lie still. Mouth from which eternity will speak, that will soon summon the dead, defying grace and silence or foolishness. Lips that will speak forgiveness to those who believe you and death to those who deny you. Lie still, and tiny feet cupped in the palm of my hand rest. Because many difficult steps lie ahead for you. Do you know the paths you will take? Do you feel the cold seawater upon which you will walk? Do you wrench at the invasion of the nail you will bear? Rest, tiny feet. Rest today so that tomorrow you might walk with power. For millions will follow in your steps. And little heart, holy heart, pumping the blood of life through the universe, how many times will we break you? You'll be torn by the thorns of our accusations. You'll be ravaged by the cancer of our sin. You'll be crushed under the weight of your own sorrow, and you'll be pierced by the spear of our rejection. Yet in that piercing, in that ultimate ripping of muscle and membrane, in that final rush of blood and water, you will find rest. Your hands will be freed, your eyes will see justice, your lips will smile, and your feet will carry you home. And there you'll rest again, this time in the embrace of your Father. Hi, I hope everyone's enjoying the service so far. My name's Katharina, and I'd like you to please join me in a word of prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for this wonderful Christmas service that Joe and Lynette and, and all of our fellow members have put together. We are here to worship you. I pray for each and every one of us to be able to feel close to you and to feel encouraged today by our Christmas service. And we love you very much. And in Jesus' name, amen. Have a great rest of your service. Take these hands, raise them up Far above the earth and sky Darkest days when all is lost You will lift me up Hear this
Good morning. My name is Daniel Jolliffe. I'm the uh, senior minister of the Simi Church of Christ in Simi Valley. And uh, I'd like to talk to you today about the, uh, the spirit of Christmas. During this holiday time, you hear a lot about the spirit of Christmas. But from a theological standpoint, I think it's critically important that we understand what the spirit of Christmas really is. We have these holidays. And of course, I'm sure most of you know, holiday comes from the word holy day. The church would designate special days, and this goes back through church history, where people could take the day off and spend time with their family. And of course, the famous ones are Easter and Christmas. Easter's big. It's sort of a bigger Christmas, or bigger than Christmas. It's considered a more important holiday. And certainly, it's incredibly important. You have the, the atonement of uh, the crucifixion. And there again is another interesting word, atonement. When they were translating the Greek, they realized we didn't have an English word that truly communicated what, it, what that means. And so they had to make one up, and it, it came from atonement with God, that, that because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we can become at one with God. And that's where the word atonement came from. 
Well, and then, of course, you have Easter, the resurrection, uh, the tomb, the stone being rolled away, and Jesus walking out and presenting himself to his followers. What a wonderful, incredible, joyous occasion that must have been. But I think there's something a little more intriguing about Christmas. You see, when Christmas came, it was God coming to earth. It was God becoming human. And I think that's, that's, that's even more difficult to get your mind wrapped around. I think that truly the greatest mystery of Christianity is God coming into this earth in a human form, and not just in a human form. He didn't just drop in and minister to us. He, he came in the human form of a child, of a baby. I remember when my three children were born, I could, I could hold them in one hand. And to imagine God taking that form and being placed in a manger, that's pretty mind-boggling. I mean, if you really just stop and meditate on that, what did that mean for Jesus Christ to come to earth? Here he was, the Son of God in heaven, the, the greatest palace, the, the nicest luxuries, the glory of God surrounding him with the heavenly hosts. And for him to give that up and to come down and take on the form of a baby. And that's just mind-blowing. And to imagine the humble circumstances that he came into, that, that God could have presented himself into any palace on earth. He could have, he could have showed up as some great leader or some all-powerful person or, or incredibly rich person, but instead he chose a couple from Nazareth to be born in a manger. And that tells us a whole lot, should tell us a whole lot, about who God is and what we mean to him. I mean, it's just remarkable that, that God himself could die. We, we can't, you know, we, we, we get excited about the resurrection, but the, the idea that, that you could kill God, I mean, that's an even more, a greater mystery. And that he came and, and placed himself to be in the flesh. The word became flesh. And, 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 you just need to really stop and take that in. Understand what it meant to lower himself into a human form with all of the human indignities that he had to go through. Sweating, going to the bathroom. These were things he, he didn't have to do in heaven. But he chose to join us. And I think, we, I think there's something we need to understand about that as well. When I can imagine on Judgment Day when we stand before God, there'll be people there who... Who, who try to make excuses like, you just don't know what it was like to be human. Of course, you're God, but we were human. We were human limited. We, we, you don't know what it was like. And I think Jesus will be sitting there saying, excuse me, I was there. And like I said, he didn't drop in for just a few years of ministry. He was born here. He was raised here. He grew up in a really backwoods, little tiny town, and learned what it was like to be human. You see, he came not just to show us how to die and move on to see God. He came to show us how to live. How to live while we're here and how to live right into eternity.
in the presence of his Father. We believe, we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. That is the great confession that we all make, especially before we get baptized, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Can we say that together? We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What an incredible confession of faith. So I'd like to read a Christmas story that's not often the traditional nativity passages, but one that I find very inspiring from the Gospel of John, the first 14 verses. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. What an incredible story. The word became flesh. This was God's plan from the beginning. And the Gospel of John tells us that right up front. He was with God, but he became flesh and dwelt among us so that we could know what it was like to have God among us. Emmanuel, God with us. What that did was bring hope to a fallen world. When sin Entered the world, chaos reigned, corruption reigned, and all evil just spread over the earth. But when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, He brought into our existence hope. Hope to be forgiven, hope to be pardoned, hope, hope for, for peace with God, hope for the glory with God. Hope for that ultimate forgiveness of all that we've done wrong so that we could join into the fellowship of Jesus Christ and his Father around the throne of God, worshiping for eternity. What a great, what a great Christmas message that he brought hope to us. But it was beyond that because we need to understand when he brought in this hope, he brought in a love from God for the unlovable. My wife and I spent some time working in a children's home, a group children's home. We had uh, three of our own children and eight foster children. Some of the kids we got were pretty, pretty damaged emotionally, physically. 
Some of them were really hard to love. But my wife and I recognized that, that the, the Christmas spirit calls us to love the unlovable, to bring new hope to a fallen world. That's what Jesus did for us. And too often we miss the Christmas spirit. Too often, like another story that I think is a great Christmas story, but uh, we know it as the Good Samaritan. Too often we get our doctrine lined up. We, we become very meticulous about making sure that we are biblically correct. But like the priest and the Levite in that parable of Jesus, we see human needs all around us. And we might say a quick prayer that God would meet those needs, and then we walk on by, trying to focus on our own biblical correctness. Unlike the real Christmas spirit in that story is the Samaritan who comes by, and he sees someone in need, someone who's not his ethnicity, someone who is not like him at all, someone who probably looks down on him, someone who might mistreat him. Someone who perhaps would have walked by as well if he had seen the Samaritan in the ditch. But no, the Samaritan doesn't think about any of that. He loves the unlovable. He sees someone in need, and he helps him out. That's the Christmas spirit. That's what Jesus came to show us, that, that we, we need to empty ourselves. We need to spend ourselves. We need to be willing to become poor so that others will be enriched around us and so that others will see the great God that lives within us. So this morning, I'd just like to encourage all of us to call on the spirit of Christmas, or perhaps more theologically correct, to call on the Holy Spirit of God himself, to take over our lives, to let us be spent, let us become poor, let us humble ourselves, so that when people around us see us, they will see the great God that we serve. Because when we work for God, it's very important that before we share the message, that we must be the message. People need to see the gospel in us, see the Christmas spirit in us, before we ever share the gospel message with them. So I'd like to encourage all of us, especially during this season, but hopefully throughout the rest of our lives, that we would always display the Christmas spirit to reach out and pray that God will open our eyes to those around us who he sent us to, to share his spirit. I wish you well this week. Throughout the rest of your lives, may God bless you, and may you display God in your life this week. Thank you. At this time, we are going to take communion and our offering. All you need is some matzah and some grape juice. At CB Church, we believe the Bible is the best source of truth in our world today. And in it, we learn that Jesus led a sinless life, died on a cross, and rose again. And it's in this belief that we do everything. We are a member-supported fellowship by people like us. You can give today by texting keyword CME Church to 77977 or online at cme.church. After I pray, we'll have a time of quiet meditation to allow you to eat the bread and drink the cup in remembrance of Jesus and reflect on his life, death, burial, and resurrection. Let's go to God in prayer. 
Father, I want to thank you so much for this amazing time to worship you and to remember the birth of your son and his coming to this earth. Thank you for all the people that uh, told, helped tell the story. Thank you for Daniel and the great message that reminds us of who Jesus really is and the meaning of his life. God, I pray that at this time we will connect with you in this communion time. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Forget, 
of a ragtag bunch of church members who set out to perform a Christmas play and the director who tried his hardest to just keep it all together. The glory of Christmas. Our annual Christmas show is tonight and all the hard work, the blood, sweat, and tears comes down to this very moment. And like, like any show, there's going to be some last-minute snafus. Um, like, like, for example, my middle-aged Mary. She's been having contractions for about six, 16 hours. My Joseph hasn't memorized all his lines. Uh, Amy? Mary, my, <laughs> my dear Mary, it's been a long journey. My wise man is convinced that the nativity set will collapse. And my shepherd can't find a lemon for his tea. Articulatory agility as a marvelous ability, manipulating with dexterity that... We are telling the most beautiful and important story that's ever been told about an event that changed the... We've lost the lamb. Mm -hmm. Quick, everyone make lamb noises! Call her back to the flock! He knows the lamb's a dog, right? Medical experts actually do not recommend this method for uh, dealing with panic attacks. But my mom recommends lavender behind the ears. Get away from me! I'm calling an ambulance. I think I'll be fine. It's for me. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea and unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. I have this long-held tradition, I guess you could call it. Every year during the performance, I, uh, I step off the stage and leave the building. I just want God to do what God does. And the shepherds came with haste, and they and found, found Mary, Mary and Joseph, Joseph and, the, and baby. the babe lying in the manger. 
Doesn't matter where you see the nativity story, whether it's on a street corner or, or in a church, or even on your neighbor's mantle. When you see it, you have to consider it then and there. Are you willing to kneel at the manger? Will you believe in the miracle of Christmas, the glory of Christmas? Trust that this is the way that God chose to save us all. And all who heard it wondered at those things, which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned. Glorifying and worshiping God for all the things that they have seen and heard, as it was said unto them. Amen. He was, at the very least, the most remarkable person to walk this earth. He came with words too incredible to believe and with wonders so incredible not to believe. His footsteps shook the world, leaving a crevice across the centuries, separating the ones that stretched ahead of him from those that lay behind him. The prints left by those steps were made not by boots of a soldier or by the tailored footwear of a senator. They were made by sandals, sandals as accustomed to the floors of marble as they were to the fields of battle. Who was this man who wore them? This man wielded no sword, commanded no army. This man, whose steps were so foreign to the corridors of power, who was this man who changed the world? Walking wherever he went in such ordinary sandals, his name is Jesus. Some know him as Savior. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then, for a scant three years, he was an inherent preacher. He never held office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never traveled more than a few hundred miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His, fields, his friends ran away. One of them denied him and another betrayed him. He was turned over to his enemies and put through a mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his garments, the only property he owned. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race. All the armies that ever marched and all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man on earth as much as the one solitary life. Artists have stood before him, seen in him new revelations of beauty. Poets have stood before him and caught inspiration for their verse. Musicians have stood before him and worked the impressions which made him upon into tones which lit the heart and set it dreamy. Philosophers have stood before him and meditated on the great ideas which found expression on their lips. Countless unlettered men and women, a great crowd of common folk, plain working people, descendants of the shepherd that heard the angels sing, have bowed in adoration before him and have found rest in their weariness and strength in their weakness. 
Generation upon generation of men and women have stood before him drinking inspiration with which to live their lives and do their work. Anyone and everyone who has stood before him with an honest, open heart, who has listened to his words and who has carefully observed his life, have, moved, have been moved with all of their hearts to cry out, Hallelujah, Jesus is Lord. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. Shut
If you did not take communion with us, please make sure you do so later today. We want CME Church to be your church, your family's church, and your friend's church. If you want to know more, please ask the person who told you about us or go to our website, cme.church. And don't forget to subscribe to our social media outlets. Finally, I want to remind all the members of CME Church to pray for, invest in, invite the church, and prepare yourselves to be Jesus to the world. Next week will be our last online service of the year, and Aaron Hennison will bring the message. Merry Christmas, and God bless. God bless.
Every rock.